What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Draft Podcast on the Baseball America Podcast. I'm Carlos Colazzo, joined, as always, by Peter Flaherty. This is our first post-World Series, post-2023 season podcast peter so how is the lack of baseball uh, at least at the big league level treating you so far getting into anything else it's kind of driving me a little nuts it's it, <laughs> not even nuts it's just weird because uh, it becomes so kind of ingrained in your routine but mm. as jj every so often hops into slack to remind me or i guess the group is a collective uh there's baseball everywhere so it's been like Checking on the AFL, uh, the Dominican Winter League. Uh, so it's it's not quite Major League Baseball, but there's still baseball if you need your fix. But yeah, um, super and, into football and 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 very entrenched in Boston colleges. Um, kind of hot streak here, and there is a a path for them to make the ACC championship game. So I'm, it, although it's like a 0.2 percent chance, there is a path. That feels more like an indictment on the ACC's football uh, competition than than anything to do with Boston College, <laughs> considering what's gone on for for my heels. But uh, there also is so fall college heels, baseball. Your heels can help out my Eagles because the path well, it, they don't has to win out. So oh, they have to win out to help you. This I'm sorry, Peter, but your <laughs> hopes your hopes are your hopes are done for if that's what you're relying on. They've been letting yeah, me down for years, and you can join the you can join the. I'm not sure it would be the, the Tar Heel way uh, in, in terms of not getting confident in them at all. So I'm sorry <laughs> for your loss. Um, but fortunately, fall baseball is going on. It might not be the easiest thing for fall college baseball. And I guess there's some fall high school baseball going on as well. There's still some tournaments and, and some games. And I'm sure on, on various high school campuses, there's workouts and things going on. So baseball really is a year-round event. Um, we're here to talk more draft. Uh, I got to see a little bit of fall college video from some of the players we're going to talk through. I know maybe it's not the easiest thing in the world for for listeners to see, but that's that's still happening. Peter, I'm sure you're hearing about some impressive performances from college players around the country. That happens every time this year. Um, but we're kind of getting close to the back of the first round for our little player review series, um, at least for our current list. Maybe we'll have to just redo this once we... Uh, once we update our list, we can go through all the players that weren't in this range beforehand and make sure we're caught up to speed on those. But we got some interesting players to talk through today. Um, it's a heavy college dose again uh, for you, so congrats on that. But let's just let's just jump right into it. Um, the first player we're looking at is Jacob Cozart. He's a catcher at North Carolina State, six foot three, two hundred five pounds, left-handed hitter, right-handed thrower. Obviously, still we don't have uh, very many left-handed throwing catchers, but. He had a, I guess, respectable freshman season with North Carolina State, and then he really took a big step forward in 2023 when he hit 301, 392, 546, uh, went from four home runs to 10 home runs, um, really improved across the board offensively, and then played this summer with USA Baseball's college national team during their trials. For me, one of the more impressive all-around players at that event. I was kind of stunned he didn't make the final team. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on Jacob Cozart? One of the, you mentioned the catching class this year is, is pretty exciting and he's one of the guys that's going to make it. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Cozart? Yeah. I mean, to start off the, or the second catcher that we're going to touch on after Malcolm Moore, um, 
Cozart, as you said, had a solid freshman year, outstanding sophomore year, as always, as we continue to allude to having a catcher that, um, you know, is, is a kind of a force at the plate as well is, is a premium and, and Cozart fits the bill. The calling card with him is the defense, but as you mentioned, he had 301, 14 doubles and 10 home runs. I'd say it's above average power borderline plus he has the ability to drive the ball in the opposite field gap um the wood bat performance if you just look at the back of the baseball card it it might be a little underwhelming but like you said you caught him at usa and you got him really good i think when i went on a synergy i saw in the four games in the inner squads i think he went four for 13 with i i think it was three home runs i know he had three home runs during camp but he went he went off um I'm kind of with you and I'm a little surprised he didn't make the final roster, but nonetheless, it was a really strong showing for him for as, as I guess, impactful as he is with the bat. Um, he's an outstanding defender, receives the ball really well. Um, good blocker. It's a plus arm. It's an easy plus arm, uh, strong, accurate throws to all bases with carry through the bag. Um, it's a very appealing overall profile, even though he's, it might be a little bit bigger for a catcher, um, he's still going to obviously stick at the position. So, yeah, yeah, he's looking fun at the overall to... pro. It's just okay. going to be tough to pass on that for so long. It's going to be an interesting debate, though. I think as we get closer to the draft and as the season starts to unfold, because like Malcolm Moore, Caleb Lomavita, Jacob Cozart, like I could see any organization going each of those three ways when looking at who they're going to select in terms of who's going to be the first catcher off the board yeah Kosar is kind of fun to watch behind the plate because he is a little bit bigger than you'd expect for the position but I feel like his actions are actually really good behind the plate he made a couple of really difficult throws on balls that were well out of the zone where he had to reposition his body uh, throw from some lower angles uh, and he still made really competitive throws with sub two second pop times uh, I, I think sometimes he drops the arm slot down a little too much when he doesn't really need to, and that adds a little bit more run on the ball. But he's capable of throwing from a typical slot uh, with good carry and ride to the second base bag. So, like, watching him receive the ball, I thought he was solid. I think there might be some some issues with, like, lateral uh, movement and blocking on, on tougher pitches, but that's really getting nitpicky, I think, overall. Like, how he looks behind the plate is quite solid. You mentioned him as a defense first catcher and that's it's kind of funny hearing that considering my very brief in-person look with him it was like man the bat was pretty loud too I do think he has all fields home run power um, though I guess most of that has gone to his pull side in a larger sample with him one of the things that I picked out that that maybe will be a question for him next year and hopefully he can address is just what he's able to do against velocity he had a 174 pitch sample against 93 plus mile per hour velocity uh, over his two years with North Carolina State. It's not the greatest results you'll ever want to see. It was a like 600 OPS against that pitch type. Um, but similar miss and similar chase rates against um, 93 plus as he had just overall. Um, so I wonder if it's just him seeing more of that. That'll be a question that I have for him this spring. Just how does he handle velocity? Um, but yeah, overall, it's just a pretty quality package. Um, and... I think he's definitely got a chance to to go inside the first round, depending on on the numbers he's putting up this year. Yeah, agreed. And the the barrel awareness skills, even for the 
I'd say question marks perhaps surrounding, you know, how he handles velocity. The barrel awareness is there. I'd say the bat to ball skills are are absolutely above average. I think his in zone contact rate against fastballs in 2023 was 90%. Overall was 88%. There's not a ton of bat speed and and not a ton of hand speed in the swing, but um again, the the physicality he has and the feel for the barrel and just the overall feel to hit. Um, you know, it, it allows them to impact the baseball. So an intriguing profile, especially for a catcher. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, how he does this year and how high he could ne- potentially play himself. Cause I know this fall he's performed really well to, to no one's surprise. So they, they could have another first round catcher down there in, in Raleigh. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, unless you have any other comments on Cozart, we can move on to our next player who is another up the middle premium position. College player has become a personal favorite of mine. Just watching him play. That's Anthony Silva, a shortstop at Texas Christian uh, University. He is a draft eligible sophomore in his 2023 season. He hit really well. It was a 330, 416, 471 line. Just seven home runs, 11 doubles, uh, didn't strike out a ton, a 12.5% strikeout rate, 8.7% walk rate. And I think like Cozart, Silva has a reputation as a defense-first um, prospect and player overall, which I would say is is pretty impressive just given those offensive numbers. I might be a little more skeptical of what he is offensively at the next level um, if you're expecting like a 330 40% plus OBP type uh, in pro ball. I feel like that might be a little bit aggressive, but he certainly can pick it at shortstop. He's got great actions at the position. He moves well. He has reliable hands. Uh, he's just a really fun defender to watch. Again, he's another player that I saw with USA Baseball this summer. The bat didn't look quite as good as the line at TCU might suggest for me, and so I'm a little bit skeptical of what he's actually going to be as a hitter. Uh, but that's Anthony Silva. What do you have on him, Peter? I was going to say, for as good as you got Cozart at USA and, and looking at what Silva did, because it was really his only wood bat uh, sample outside of like a brief stint with Santa Barbara. It was kind of the anti-Jacob Cozart, so to speak. But um, I'm a big fan of Silva in in looking through this class and especially at the top. On true shortstops, I think that's a glaring area in which it's a little thin so I, I think for my money's worth silva might be the top true shortstop in the class at least right now yeah i'm trying to think um, of, of who would even be in competition for him and i don't really have an obvious name so I, I think that's a pretty good call there like there are guys who can play shortstop without a doubt but like when looking at the overall profile and what they bring of people who are going to stick at shortstop he might be the best i mean owen Pena is right there too mm-hmm. but for sure, yeah. at the college level, it's Silva right now. I think I think Griff O'Farrell is like a steady Eddie shortstop who does a lot of things well. But in terms of like the tougher plays, I think Silva is a much flashier defender in that sense. I think his tools for the position are better. So yeah, I would I would still put him above O'Farrell. I agree, but nonetheless, like you said, it was an excellent freshman year. Exploded onto the scene, held down um, the shortstop position from the get-go for TCU freshman All-American. Great body at 6'2", 200. Um, I think as he fills out a little bit more and, and just ages, he'll he'll hopefully add some physicality and some impact. Um, I think the power right now is is average or maybe even a tick below. And then I'm with you on the – I guess my eyebrows are raised maybe on the hit tool in the future of it. It's hmm. 
I mean, he's got plus bat to ball skills. Again, similar to Cozart, it's an 88% end zone contact rate, 89% against fastballs, but he, I think he really struggles a little bit at times in picking up spin yep. and his pitch recognition skills as a whole right now are a, a little less polished than I think you'd want them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2023 against fastballs at 92 plus slash 360, 418, 460. So um, that's encouraging. Like he's not going to miss a heater and he's fine with Velo. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think the approach and pitch recognition skills are going to need to take a step forward to maximize that profile. But going on to his calling card, it's the defense. Legit plus defender at shortstop. He's going to stick there. Really good actions, good instincts, good game clock. The athleticism really shines. He's kind of long-limbed. He he almost, you know, he glides like a gazelle to the baseball. He's comfortable going up the middle, comfortable going to the backhand side, um, throwing on the run for multiple arm angles, all of the boxes that you kind of want to check with a professional shortstop. He's got him, and it's in having the privilege of watching him in Omaha. He's it's a slow heartbeat type guy. He's made, he's kind of has a knack for making a big play in a key moment. A, the one play that is like forever seared in my brain is that play that he made in the first game of the entire college world series against Oral Roberts, literally in the fourth inning. I remember it because it was a zero zero game. Not a ton. It happened ground ball up the middle. Um, Silva goes down into a slide pops up throws all in one motion. If you look it up, it's somewhere out there, but it was a play where everyone watching was like, holy bleep. Like that was <laughs> probably the best play he made all season. Um, I'm a fan of him. He's got a chance. I think if he can shore up the approach a little bit and refine the pitch recognition skills mm. to play his way, mate, like I don't want to stick a cap on where he could go. Um, but like, it's a top 20 overall, maybe top gosh, but yeah, top tw- top twenty overall potential mm. with him. Yeah, no, he's an absolute joy to watch play play the field and play the position. The highlight plays that he can make are exceptional. I'm intrigued just to see what scouts think of him offensively next spring and how he adjusts as a hitter. You mentioned the his ability to to hit velocity. His numbers are actually surprisingly good against 93 plus mile per hour velocity. One thing I did notice, and I don't know if this is just getting a little bit too nitpicky, is Almost all of his batter balls against that elite velocity, it's opposite field. Um, I wonder if it's a case of him just not being able to to turn on those heaters, if he's just late consistently. Like I would like to see him turn on velocity a little bit more. Again, it's nitpicking because his, his production against that pitch type and that velocity is quite good. Uh, you bring up a good point against secondaries. Almost all of his swing and miss is coming against breaking balls and off-speed pitches. His overall production against fastballs um, was around a 950 OPS against just fastballs. That steadily went down when you're looking at the secondaries against breaking balls. It was an 817 OPS against off-speed pitches. It was a 794 OPS with 30% plus miss rates on all those pitches compared to just a 13% miss rate on fastballs. So, yeah, shoring up some of the offensive profile concerns, um, taking better hacks against secondaries, like you said, recognizing secondaries more consistently will be uh, really important for him to just shore up some of the profile. He also hits balls on the ground a lot. I don't necessarily think he's a guy that needs to try and elevate consistently. He probably is just going to run into a lot of fly ball outs in that. If he does that, like I don't think he has massive raw power. He probably wants to be the sort of line drive gap hitter um, at his best. Uh, but yeah, the fact that he is a 
locked in defender at shortstop, really strong at that position, will obviously lower the offensive threshold he needs to clear. Uh, but in terms of how high he can push up the board on draft day, uh, I think you're going to want to be convicted that he, he's got a chance at least to be a top or, or middle of the lineup hitter. Um, and I, I do wonder, like, what is the offensive upside that, that he'll have moving forward? Yeah, I agree. I think it's, again, in looking at just the the raw numbers in the back of the baseball card, so to speak, um, it is really impressive. But I'm with you in that I, like, the one little area that I'm I'm intrigued about is the hit tool. And I'm it, you bring up a good point about being able to turn on fastballs and, and um, you know, flash that i think if if he's able to again add some physicality or just you know as he matures physically if he can add some bat speed because i think that would that would really go a long way i I think right now it's just it's average it's certainly not below average but it's it's not crazy bat speed so i think you know if 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 he was able to to bat training maybe season sorry go ahead i said get some weighted bat training in there maybe that'll help him out (laughs) But no, yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting overall profile with Silva. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to another college player we have here, uh, left-handed pitcher Jonathan Santucci, uh, a Duke prospect. I think one of the more interesting arms in this class. He did not get to pitch a ton last year, just seven games. The season was cut short because of an injury. If you look at his overall numbers, I don't know how excited you might get. This is a guy who's never posted an ERA below 4.17, which was the mark he had as a freshman uh, in 2022 when he had 20 games, seven of those coming in a starting capacity. But when you look at the body, when you look at the three-pitch mix, the delivery, how he does it, I feel like this is a guy who could easily take a step forward. I don't have as many reliever questions with Santucci as maybe some of the other pitchers that we've already talked about. And potentially, I'm being optimistic there, Peter. Maybe you can uh, you can correct me here if if you think there is some reliever risk. But he misses a lot of bats with the fastball. In his uh, in his outings last year, he averaged just over 93 miles per hour. He got a 30 percent miss rate on that fastball, which is a really impressive number for that pitch type. He also got a lot of misses on both his slider and his changeup. Uh, this fall, it seems like the slider has been an absolute weapon for him. With both of his secondaries, it's a 50% plus miss rate on that pitch in 2023. Again, it's just seven games, but I think with pitchers, it's a little bit easier to have stronger takeaways from a smaller sample. But it's a solid delivery. It's pretty well balanced. It's a fairly clean arm action. He's strong. Um, There's a lot to like here for me. And and I'm curious if you think this is a guy who, whether it's just more games under his belt, more starts, um, just more time out on the mound uh, he can move up or if you think there are any questions in his profile that maybe I haven't highlighted so far he's he's really fascinating to me yeah I I think he's a guy that I'm underratedly pretty high on just again looking up and down the board um, especially up to those ahead of him I'm not like totally convicted on really anyone maybe maybe Chase Burns maybe Hagan Smith but like in terms of slam dunk starters, again, it's a thin draft class on him. And I think that's where Santucci with a full healthy season, obviously assuming a high level of performance can set himself apart. As you mentioned last year, season got cut short at four or three ERA, but he struck out 50 across 29 innings. 
Um, there's a track record there, pitching well in the Cape after his true freshman year. Also got an invite to USA. If he didn't get hurt, he was well on his way again to earning a, an invite to Team USA and, and pitching on the Cape. But again, it's he, he's 6'2". He's put on a lot of good weight. He's added a ton of physicality since being at Duke. Um, having access to to that level of, I, I guess, a performance center has shown. Um, attacks from a high three-quarter slot. I like the arm path and the arm stroke. It's pretty clean, as you said. Repeats the delivery really well. There's not a lot I would, at least right now, tinker with. Fastballs 92 to 95. We'll touch a six. And this fall is allegedly been up to 97 and it's got a ton of carry out of the hand um it's at its best and i think it it generates the most swing and miss when it's located in the top half of the zone i'd i'd give it a six right now again he's a lefty throwing 93 to 95 um up to 96 97 with with riding life and it gets a ton of swing and miss i think last year it had a 30 percent miss rate um i'm gonna put a yeah i'll put a six on that um, and then as you alluded to, the the secondaries, especially the slider, is is really, really good in 2023. Had a 51% miss rate. It's his go-to out pitch. It's got a ton of teeth. Tight two-plane break. Um, sometimes it'll flash vertical depth against right-handed hitters, and then it'll get some more horizontal sweeping action against left-handed hitters. This fall, it's been just hellacious. I think I saw per synergy in in the pitches that it has logged. It is a 71% miss rate or something like that. <laughs> and that's, I think that's more pitches this fall for him than it was in the spring. So it's a, it's a sizable sample or at least a comparable sample. I know it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I saw like when it loaded in, I was like, oh, I must've hit like his spring season or whatever. Cause it was 300 <laughs> something pitches, but nonetheless, okay, not, not quite as much, but a decent sample. Yeah, exactly. But nonetheless, a, uh, an encouraging sign he's been able to get out there this fall and mm. and show off his stuff and stay healthy and then as you to kind of put a a bow on it um he's also got a mid to high 80s changeup that had a 59 percent miss rate um late drop and tumbling action he throws it with conviction i mean you're looking at right now if you're like there's an argument to be made right now that you're looking at a durable left-handed starter with three or better plus pitches with three plus or better pitches um and who's going to start at the next level i again i'm that's a overall package when you combine that with santucci's intangibles that kind of northeast tough i'm a northeast guy and a massachusetts guy so (laughs) my bias might be showing but northeast tough he pitches with a chip on his shoulder he's not scared of anyone Mm -hmm. um that's someone I know personally I'm 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 pretty high on. So I think, you know, depending on how you look at him, it's there's a chance for him to pitch his way into the top half of the first round. I think showing that he can handle a full workload as as a as a weekend starter and stay healthy is is gonna be key. But um mm. I have faith in him to do that and I have faith in him faith in him to perform. Um so in my mind, this is a he's got a top fifteen type ceiling. Yeah, he's, he's a, be one of the first arms off the board. I don't think he's going to go ahead of Brecht or Burns, but he's a sleeper to be that next one up there, I think. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. I really think the pitching in this class is absolutely wide open. A lot of it's just going to depend on how these guys perform next spring. Um, but there's just a ton of like, and I think we're maybe getting into the range, uh, and especially with Santucci's injury and the fact that he just hasn't pitched that much. Um 
it's it's probably a case of like the obvious warts. We just haven't seen him enough to to make them obvious. Um, and so you're kind of like dreaming on the guy who you've seen these flashes of, but maybe hasn't pitched as often as a Brecht or a Burns or one of these other pitchers we talked about where you can kind of pick them apart a little bit more. Um, but I remember going down to Wake Forest, uh, actually I believe it was Duke, last spring to see Rhett Lauder. Uh, he faced off against Santucci on a Friday night. And I was a bit bummed at the time because I, I think I actually got Rhett Lauder's worst appearance of the year in person. Um he gave up eight hits, walked two, which is shocking for Louder to walk two in five innings. But Santucci was opposing him, and I think he outpitched him in that game. He struck out 11 batters, walked four in 4.1 innings. They gave up the same amount of runs, uh, but it was just three hits for Santucci, eight hits for Rhett Louder. Uh, Duke really, really looked good against Louder that day. But I remember just being really impressed with Santucci overall. Um, just the fastball was super lively, exploded out of his hand early, and, and really missed a ton of bats. I think you you brought it up when you were talking about Santucci just showing that he can be durable over a full spring. Uh, One thing that I noticed in that outing is the velo did tick down a little bit. Once that happened, it seemed like he was more confident going to the slider a little bit more often. Uh, So if he's able to to have have some time, add some strength, uh, hold the velocity a little bit deeper into games throughout an extended spring, I really think there's a lot to like here. You mentioned the changeup. He hasn't used it a ton but as a left-handed pitcher, he's using it more frequently than than most of the righties who have a pretty loud fastball breaking ball combination. It was eight percent of the time. I think he's shown solid feel for the pitch. It has really good life. It does miss a lot of bats. So, yeah, I'm I'm very high on Santucci. He's probably the arm I'm most excited to see next year, just because he's one of the top players that we have ranked, who we just haven't seen a lot over a full season in a starting capacity. So. Very excited to see him. I imagine I'll be getting down to Duke um, and just the Triangle area when, when those ACC clubs are kind of facing off to see him. Um, yeah, he, he should be a lot of fun, and I think he's a name that probably a lot of people are going to be more familiar with very quickly next spring. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that the louder Santucci story from last year, <clears throat> excuse me, it's like it's like a verbal meme, like, tired Rhett louder day wired santucci day so i'm i'm happy <laughs> yeah. that you got a good uh a good santucci look out of it and i went back to look like looking at the stat line it's i think it was four earned and four and a third but he was through three shutout i think three and a third shutout and then adam Cessary ambushed him for a two-run bomb and then um nick yeah. kurtz in the fifth got him for a for an rbi single but yeah, the control um, backed up a little bit. The velo backed up a little bit in the in his kind of final frame or two, and then yeah, just didn't didn't start pitching off off the fastball as much confidence as he did early. But man, the first three innings were electric. I was gonna say, nonetheless, I remember watching that game live and and being really blown away with him in the first trip, first trip and a half through the order. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, uh, that's all I had on Santucci. Very exciting arm. Maybe uh, a little bit of a an antidote to all of our pessimism for all the other arms. And again, I think as we get further mm-hmm. on the board, it's just, <laughs> just a little bit harder to, to nitpick the players. You start ten, you tend to talk about what the players can do well, rather than just hammering on what they don't do well. Since everyone knows that, uh, that Nick Kurtz is pretty good. Maybe it's a lot, maybe it's a little easier for us <laughs> mentally to, uh, to focus on the positives as we get further down the board. But, uh, we got another player with plenty of positives to talk about at 24. That's Cameron Smith, Cam Smith, third baseman at Florida state. Uh, had a pretty phenomenal showing in the Cape Cod League. Um, again, another draft-eligible sophomore in his 2023 season with FSU. He hit 258, 326, 517, 
12 home runs, five triples, eight doubles. Struck out maybe a little bit more than you want to see, 28.7%. It was a 9.1% walk rate. Uh, but Smith is tooled up. He's physical. He's got big arm strength. He's got big raw power. And it seemed like he did a lot of nice things in terms of his offensive approach in the Cape. Uh, this seems like a guy that, that has pretty high variance in terms of his outcomes, just given the profile. But it wouldn't shock me if Cameron Smith came out and had a really strong year and was a top 15, top 10 pick given the tool set. Peter, where are you at on Cam Smith? Yeah, I became a big fan of his over the summer. They had a productive true freshman campaign. I know coming in, he was one of the more highly regarded um, freshmen in, in his class to make it to campus. And the fall performance was really, really loud. I know that and remember that he was one of, if not FSU's, best hitter in the fall of 2022. And so my expectations were really high for him, probably unfairly high for him going into last year. And he flashed that production at times. It was just an up and down and consistent year, normal for any freshman. Ended up with a respectable year. It hit almost 260 with... 25 extra base hits, including 12 home runs. Saw some of the swing and miss concerns rear their ugly head. Strikeout numbers were a little high. And so I was curious what he was going to look like in the Cape because, I mean, you know this, and and most of the listeners probably know this, the Cape isn't somewhere you go if you want to improve your your offensive numbers. Uh, That's typically at least just when looking at, you know, the, the box score type numbers. That's kind of where they go to die. Um, you can expect a, a drop-off in production, a drop in average, um, really a drop in everything across the board just in using wood bats and and the pitching talent you're going to face. But it was legitimately the exact opposite for Smith. He had a – I mean, if it wasn't for Travis Bazana, I think that he probably would have won the MVP. Um, he hit 347, led the league with 12 doubles, Laced four triples and also at six home runs, which it's a very, very impressive offensive output um, for a true freshman on the Cape. Super physical kid at 6'3", 220, looks the part. Like you see him getting off the bus and you're like, okay, like this kid, you know, he's he's literally built different. Like he looks like a big leaguer. Um, I was, again, I was most impressed just in his overall like improved approach and ability to adjust to quality pitching. Um, Just comparing the spring season to the summer on the Cape, the overall contact rate improved from 71% to 81%. Then his end zone contact rate improved from 84% to 89%. And on the Cape, he had a 95% end zone contact rate against fastballs. Um, I just remember watching him on, on many occasion, um, you know, he would, he would get to hitters elevated, he'd get to them everywhere. And these were 93 to 95, 96. Um, and it's a simple setup in the box. He simplified it this summer working with hitting coach Tino Martinez. Um, not a lot of lo- like very simple setup, minimal load, lets his hands and natural strength do most of the work, which I think he found out this summer that he can do that. Just again, given his physicality, there's a lot of bat speed takes a direct path to contact and then his two strike approach is a mature one. He widens his base, goes no stride Hmm. um, to maximize the ability to move the baseball. And even then, like he's still able to really impact the ball when it finds the barrel. I remember in the all-star game watching him got a two strike count um, again, went, went to the no stride um, 
went to the no stride approach wide base and he got i think he got a fastball up um i might be remembering the pitch type wrong but he laced it off the center field fence in harwich for i think a two-run double and or or maybe he didn't hit off the fence for a two-run double but he had a fly ball deep to center field that got caught maybe three feet in front of the warning track and it was hit almost on the line and i was like whoa you know the impact really is for real hmm. and um it's it's plus power to all fields as you said <clears throat> and the hit tool i saw even though in at, at fsu it might have been average or a tick below i saw an above average hit tool um and then he defends well over at third base he's he's underratedly pretty nimble there's range in either direction plus arm he's gonna stick he's gonna stick at third professionally i don't see a move really to first base and then the makeup is is excellent um just in getting to talk to him and and how he goes about his game and listening to interviews it's he's a really high character kid which makes it which which is a nice cherry on top of an already impressive profile and like you said um i think if he can continue to build off of that summer he had on the cape and have you know a borderline be in the discussion at least for acc player of the year i think again it's it's top half of the first round type ceiling yeah i mean you seem quite high on him peter i'm maybe a little more pessimistic about just the the overall offensive approach i'm curious if you think there was an improvement in his swing decisions and aggression because even with FSU, it wasn't a terrible overall miss rate, uh, especially against fastballs. He makes a lot of contact on fastballs. That was true of 93 plus uh, fastball velocity as well. Um, I just wonder, like, is he expanding the zone too frequently? His chase rate overall was 37%, which is quite a bit higher than you'd want to see. Um, against heaters, that was that was even higher, 93-plus mile per hour. Fastball velocity, I should say, it was a 41% chase rate. His production against uh, secondaries and off-speed offerings were good, um, but the miss rates are a little bit higher against those pitches. And e- even though there's not a ton of moving parts in the swing, which I generally think is a positive trait for a hitter, I, I also wonder about just his rhythm in the box. He's almost like He's almost stiff at times offensively. There's there's no timing mechanism really, as far as I can tell. It's it's kind of just a straight stride uh, in his swing with, with very little hand movement in his in his load. Um, like you said, it's direct to the ball at times. But I do wonder just if he has enough rhythm um, in the box. Uh, I, I thought it was nice to see that two strike adjustment that he made mechanically. That seems encouraging for a player like that. But in terms of the approach, swing decisions, how aggressive he is when pulling the trigger, do you think that is going to hold him back? Or do you think that's another area where he improved this summer? So just in looking at the sheer numbers, he improved also in, in chase rate across the board. It it was, it wasn't as drastic an improvement as the overall contact rate. We expanded the zone less. I think that again, the pitch recognition skills took a step forward, um, especially against secondaries and, there were still times to, to 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 get outside the strike zone um, and expand it, but I thought again there was improvement from the spring, and and I think the key is going to be just to continue to build off of it and not regress um, into that into kind of where he was last spring, which yeah led to those high strikeout numbers, held him back a little bit in terms of production. Um, if he can continue to to I guess work off of the the developments he made 
um it's gonna go a really long way and and in the box like it's funny you mentioned that because it's not the most aesthetically pleasing operation um like it is i wouldn't say funny looking it's just like it's just interesting and like he he's able to make it work and made it work against high level pitching um but uh yeah no i think if if he can continue to you know shore up and and polish Mm. that approach it's going to go a long way yeah, it definitely seems to be more approach questions that I'll have for him moving forward. Like, even if I don't, I'm not in love with how he does it in the box. There are not really a lot of bad habits that you need to fix there mechanically. It's a it's a very simple, almost like rudimentary swing. Uh, the power obviously plays to all fields, like you mentioned. Uh, I think next spring, if he can maybe strike out a little bit less, walk a little bit more, uh, get that average closer to to 300 uh, against ACC competition. The home runs will follow. The overall numbers will look quite a bit better. And then you're sitting there looking at a, an impactful an impactful third baseman who certainly has the tools to stick at the hot corner as well. We haven't talked about him a lot defensively. Um, he definitely has above average or plus arm strength for the position. And uh, it seems like he can do enough defensively to stick there. Uh, any final comments on Smith's supplemental tools or defensive profile before we move on to our, our sole high school player of the list? Yeah, I, I hinted on it, um, hinted at it, but I, I liked the defense. I liked what I saw this summer. Like he's sneaky, kind of nimble and moves well for, for someone of his size. And I, I, I put a six on the armor. I think it's a plus arm and, and he's going to be able to stick at the hot corner professionally, which is another positive check in, in his profile. Absolutely. All right. That's, that's Kim Smith. Um, so let's move on to our one high school player of the podcast today. That is Texas catcher Cade Arambide. Uh Very physical catcher. Entered the summer with a, a really strong reputation as a defender at the position. Just massive tools behind the plate led by maybe a double plus arm. Um, it's kind of crazy how frequently he's getting pop times in the 1.8 second range he's even popped in the 1.7 second range which is pretty remarkable you don't really see that too often um he shocked me with how much raw power he had just given that defensive reputation that that i ended the summer at least thinking about him with he was one of the best performers for me personally uh throughout this summer uh, at the area code games i think you could make a case that that he was the best player at that event it was either him or or caleb bonimer in my mind, um, he uses the opposite field both in batting practice and in game for power, which is also pretty rare for a high school hitter. Uh, I think you might have some questions about bat speed. Is he hitting to the opposite field with intent or is he just late on pitches? There is some miss in his game um, offensively that, that's going to raise questions. Uh, he maybe is a little aggressive at times at the plate, but overall it was a pretty solid approach uh especially when you're considering that he has a chance to be an above average defender at catcher um i I imagine there will be some split opinions on him as a receiver i know ben and and even josh when he got to see him this summer had really strong thoughts on what he does behind the plate there were a few events where maybe it's just a case where, where he's kind of tired getting a little bit worn down or it's just one of these showcase games where it's a new pitcher every inning and you're not really on the same page where he looked a little bit further, uh, further off mark on his just receiving ability, um, but I've seen him good in, in that in that facet of his game, and I think it's an easy carrying tool with his arm strength uh, to help him kind of lock down the run game. So I'm very 
excited about Cater and B Day. I feel like in the last few years, I've been a little higher on high school catchers than than maybe the industry or, or other people in the BA office. I don't know. It's just uh, these these high risk demographics. I'm very much <laughs> drawn to them, and high school catcher is certainly one of the riskiest demographics in the draft. But I think he's got exciting upside that that someone is going to take a shot on getting like a, a powerful a powerful right-handed hitter with with some tools defensively as well. I, I'm really curious how the industry views him compared to a Blake Mitchell, who was an, an underslot top 10 pick this past year to the Royals. There are some differences there. Mitchell is a left-handed hitter. Aaron Bede is a right-handed hitter. But I do think um, Aaron Bede is further along defensively than Mitchell was at the same time. So I'm really curious how the industry is going to to line him up in this class. I mean, just in digging in on him a little bit in, in the past couple of days, and then I was obviously familiar with him after his summer performance. I think he, he won area code MVP or, or offense, whatever they call it, like offensive MVP. I, he won like performer of the week, um, mm. we'll, we'll call it. Um, but again, I was, um, I'm really impressed with him behind the plate, especially the throwing arm. I mean, if there's... I mean, if that's not double plus, or at least if some of these throws aren't <laughs> double plus, then I'm not really sure what is. Like, it's a quick transfer. I thought he moved his feet pretty well. Um, like, I mean, it's absolute BBs down to second base. I mean, it's it's a strong six comfortably for me on the arm. I it, The offensive profile, I mean, would you say that the power grades out as plus? I mean, from what I saw, you know, with, with mm-hmm. Wood and then – Again, it is a controlled setting, and you're using like I, I think crazy bats at times. But in the wood bat round of the um, the the PG All American Classic Home Run Derby, like he was putting balls, yeah, almost into the upper deck. Like I mean, I think it's plus power. Um, yeah, I think I think it is plus raw. Like the I would be confident putting plus raw on it just because in BP his ability to hit with authority to the opposite field two straightaway center like he put a ball in the middle of the batter's eye at area codes that was pretty impressive and then the fact that he's he's already able to get to that power to the opposite field in game as well yeah i think you could you could i don't know if you can comfortably put plus raw on a high school player just because it's it's a it's tough to do but i i would with Aaron Bide just given given the power that i've see, seen of him yeah, and I, I think he does, in just looking at his swing, it, he does a nice job creating loft and leverage, especially the pull side. Um, I Again, the one thing and, and one eyebrow I had raised towards, or the one part of his game I was kind of a little skeptical of was maybe the pure hit tool. Um, I the, the miss rates were a little high, expanded the strike zone. Um, but the production for the most part was there, especially at area code. I mean, going yeah, at I that think, event, at that event, he I, was went. Say, I think he hit like 700 in that event and doing that <laughs> is unbelievable. Um, mm. and incredibly, incredibly difficult. So he went I mean, six for nine with two home runs, two doubles, two singles, two walks, one strikeout. The line was six sixty seven, seven twenty seven. 1556 <laughs> so it's a pretty, yeah, pretty gaudy line for five games <laughs> video game like and again like for those listening like area code production it's like basically just as like it's where your offense it's where the offensive numbers kind of go to die and the fact he's able to do that yeah in like not even really a hitter friendly park at at fowler park at san diego is is all the more impressive so 
he's going to look to build off a really impressive summer. And like you, I mean, like last year with Blake Mitchell going under slot in the top 10, assuming Aaron Bide plays well uh, this spring, which I think he's going to. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, how high someone pulls the trigger on him or is willing to. And again, a little bit like Cozart, he's a big kid. He's he's pretty big for the position, but, you know, I and just watching some video, I, I liked how he moved. Obviously, the arm is is outstanding but um mm. i'm i'm curious to see how high someone is willing to pull the trigger on him yeah definitely i mean he he's got two really loud tools with his arm strength and his raw power uh, i do think you're right that the biggest question with his profile is going to be just the hit tool how much contact is he going to make uh how is the approach going to fare once he's facing better competition consistently but as a South Texas kid, I imagine he'll have a chance to face some some decent competition. I don't know his his league specifically if that's like quality Texas competition or if he's in an area where it's it's not great. He's at Tomball uh, High School in Texas. I'll have to check in on that, but he's certainly in an area where he's going to be seen a lot early on. Uh, they'll get started as as soon as most other places in the country get started on the high school side. And Blake Mitchell had a really strong year a year ago that kind of helped push him into that top 10 range for the Royals. So there'll be every opportunity for Aaron Bide to just kind of reinforce maybe some of the uh, the attributes about his offensive game that, that make him so exciting. But uh, he, he's super fun to watch for me. Definitely was a personal favorite. It's, it's hard not to become a personal favorite when you have a 70-grade arm and you hit like that at the area code games. And, and I got to sit back and watch all of those games from him. So... <laughs> this definitely is going to be one where it, if he comes out early next spring and is struggling, it's going to be hard for me to like <laughs> to fall back with my personal looks because they were just so good. So I'll have to keep that in mind. Um, I was going to say, if I if saw you... what you did at area code, he'd be like, he'd be like <laughs> top, top 15. Yeah, so I'll have to bear that in mind as we move forward. But if you want to dream on a player, Aaron Bide certainly has the tools and the upside to, to really get excited about. So um yeah that kind of wraps up today any, any final comments on Aaron B-Day or, or really any of the other players that we talked about today Peter you got me even more juiced up about Aaron B-Day than I was coming in so uh a guy that I know just like so many others are going to be really really following closely this spring and and again looking towards next week I don't know if I can call it a, a cheese ball yet just given where he's slotted and where he's likely to go but Griff O'Farrell someone I'm a huge fan of um, and I think that Thatcher Hurd is a really interesting arm for obvious reasons. So I, I'm looking forward to breaking those two guys down. And I think in, in talking through like, I think we made this point on the first draft podcast, but in talking through the board and, and going down it, there there's so much room for so many of these players to to set themselves apart and play themselves into a really, really high draft choice. And I think that, while this class lacks like a Dylan Cruz or a Paul Skeens or, you know, even a Rhett Lauer, that, that talent up at the top, maybe um, it it's, it's going to be a lot of fun following it. Cause I think there's gonna be a lot of movement and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think some surprise guys as the cycle um, unfolds. Yeah, absolutely. That's the fun of it every year. I think like we mentioned before, that'll be definitely a, a fun part of this draft class specifically. Um, what do you have coming up on the site in the near future, Peter? I mean, for listeners, as I guess as this podcast comes out, it'll be November 10th. We'll have a full week of National League Top 10s that hit the website. Uh, my Braves list is already up. I did a chat yesterday. That was pretty fun just talking with uh, subscribers about 
uh, Braves prospects. I know you've also been doing some pro prospect stuff. Your Marlins list should be should be coming out in the near future if it's not already on the site. Um, but anything outside of top tens to plug or, or mention for the listeners, Peter? Yeah, what, by the time you're listening to this tomorrow, uh, there will be a freshman spotlight piece out on Gavin Grahovic. Um, He's looked really good this fall down in College Station. And then, as you said, the Marlins top 10 will also be out, and you will have the opportunity to ask me a question about the Marlins if you're so inclined, and I will do my absolute best to answer it. It should be a lot of fun. I know the BA subscribers are are super knowledgeable and passionate, especially on the prospect side. So I'm really excited for my first chat to field some some really quality questions and and try and do my best to talk through the system. But looking further down the road next week, um, I think the middle of next week, I'm going to put out a top 10 ranking um, of these incoming freshmen, have enough of a sample size, both from the fall and then obviously writing these guys up where I can – I think I could formulate a, a decent enough list and then I'll keep on rolling with the, with the freshman spotlight pieces and, and expand the ranking. So um, a lot of fun stuff down the road and then prospect handbook, there's no bad time to buy it. So I, I know just from all the work that everyone's put in, it's, it's going to be legit. Like there is mm. outstanding reports, all the numbers you could want. Um, I know that it is going to be a, a, I'm going to purchase a few just to stuff under <laughs> all my relatives Christmas trees. So uh, you should do the same. Very cool. Uh, it'll be even cooler when your, or your byline is on that book that you're sending out. Uh, Peter. No, it, was really, <laughs> exactly. it was really cool for me the first time that happened and it, it keeps getting cooler. One other piece I'll plug that's on the site this week that might be appealing to people who like the draft podcast here. Uh, Teddy Cahill put out his top 25 recruiting rankings for the class of 2024. Uh, so that's a lot of the players that, that we've already talked about on this kind of podcast series. But if you want to see uh, just how those recruiting rankings are shaping up uh, on signing day, which was yesterday, um, that's definitely a piece that, that you need to check out if you're at all interested in the amateur side or the college game specifically. Um, so I'd point you to that as well. Um, Peter mentioned his mailbag and questions. You guys can also feel free to send us questions for this podcast if you want us to tackle anything, whether that's on players specifically, uh, on the draft as a whole, um, scouting philosophy, anything like that, we'd be happy to tackle. So if you have any questions that are jumping to mind as you're listening or just in general, feel free to send those to to us on Twitter. I'm Carlos A. Colazzo. Peter is Peter G. Flaherty. That's right? Oh, yeah. Middle initial. Okay. Yeah, Peter G. Flaherty. Um, hit us up. Um, we'll be happy to, to take questions if you guys have any. Um, but that about does it for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for supporting Baseball America. Thanks for hanging out with us and talking draft. Uh, for Peter, I'm Carlos. We'll see you next time, everybody. So long. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.